0: This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel app. Did you know the app can help you forecast more than just the weather with allergy tracking and risk mapping so you know when to stay inside and load up on podcast, as well as air quality and UV indexing so you know when to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcast.
1: Forecast more of what you love with the Weather Channel app Hello everybody and welcome to Care Talk. My name is Laura Packard, and I'm the founder of Healthcare Voices, organizing adults with serious medical conditions. But also, I'm a cancer survivor, and firsthand, I've gone through insurance companies, denying care, fighting outrageous surprise medical bills, and more. And this show is here so that the experts can answer your questions and help you get help uh, so that you can get the care that you need. And our first question today is from Kenton, Florida, who says that he just picked up his latest Medicare funded prescription and the cost doubled. So why is that? Um, he has Medicare parts A and B and prescriptions through Aetna uh, in uh, Medicare RX. And it's the same prescription, same pharmacy, but a different year, the cost doubled. To answer that question, welcome Diane from Just Care and Social Security Works. Thanks,
2: Laura. So Kent, you have identified a problem that lots of people encounter with their Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage. And while it's clear that you're in traditional Medicare, the government administered a part of Medicare, whether you're in traditional Medicare or you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, which is administered by a private insurance company, you can have this issue with your prescription drug costs. So here's the deal. Um, You can't count on your out-of-pocket costs to to stay the same throughout the year. You can choose your plan, be it your Medicare Advantage plan or your Part D plan under traditional Medicare, based on what your out-of-pocket costs are supposed to be. But then that can change at just about any time. It can change You can pick your plan in November, and in January, you could have different out-of-pocket costs. You can be happy with your out-of-pocket costs in January, and in March, they can go up. It's just a real problem with the way the Medicare Part D benefit has been structured. But what you should know, um, it's not perfect, uh, but two things. Beginning in 2025, the maximum you'll have to pay out-of-pocket under your Medicare Part D plan is $2,000 a year for covered drugs. And you should also know that sometimes it can be a lot cheaper to go out of your Medicare Part D plan for your drugs. You might test what the cost of the drugs are if you go to Costco or Walmart or the Mark Cuban Cost Plus plan. Sometimes the full cost of the drug is less than
1: the copay for the drug in your Part D plan. Thank you, Diane. Our next question is: uh, What should you do if you don't have health insurance? Since open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act is over for most people, uh, some people might still be eligible. What should you do now if you are not eligible to get insurance through the ACA, uh, but you don't have insurance? To answer that, welcome Zoid from Health Sherpa.
3: Hi, thanks, Laura. So. Um, Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Open enrollment is over for um, pretty much everyone. Um, There are some cases where you may still be eligible to enroll. So um, it's one of those qualifying life events. You can find a list of those um, online on healthcare.gov. You may also, if you're a lower income, may qualify for um, a monthly special enrollment. Um, so you can enroll for the first time or change plans every month of the year, depending on your income. Um, and also, depending on the state you live in and your income, you may be eligible for Medicaid. And Medicaid doesn't have any sort of open enrollment or special enrollment. So it's always good to check at any time in the year, you know, am I qualified for Medicaid? And if you go to healthcare.gov or to um part of the application assesses you to see if you might be eligible for Medicaid as well. Um, lastly, if you, you know, don't qualify, if you don't have any of these qualifying life events aren't in the correct income bracket, maybe you live in a state that hasn't expanded Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicaid's, you're kind of stuck. Um, always look for, um, there is different clinics in your area who may be able to help, um, sliding scale clinics. Um, there's also, um, the, um, I'm for blanking on the name now, but they're, they're qualified health clinics. And I believe we have some, some links to that on our website. Um, so you can go check those out.
1: Thank you, Zoid. And you can go to act.tv slash care uh, for some of the resources Zoid mentioned, and also be sure to call and text in your questions and we'll answer them in future episodes. Our next question is from Daniel, who wants to know why do seniors get hit with such high prescription prices? Their dues have already been paid. Diane? So this is a really
2: good question, Daniel. And the answer is um, multifold. Um, As you know, um, our government, unlike governments of of other wealthy countries, doesn't set drug prices. Uh, And because there is no really fair competition and because the government allows uh, drug companies to have monopoly power over prices, Everyone pays high prices, including people with Medicare. Um, So, so long as Congress allows pharmaceutical companies to set prices, we're going to see high prices out of pocket for drugs. There's a second reason though, pharmacy benefit managers, who are they? Most people have no clue who they are, but what they do is they actually design the formulary, the list of drugs that your insurance company covers And they set the price that you'll pay out of pocket for those drugs. Well, they do it in a way that a lot of people say makes them a fortune of money and costs you even more money. So often what you'll find is that your insurance for prescription drugs covers drugs for you that um, have substitutes that are much less expensive but doesn't cover the generic substitute that's much less expensive or covers the high cost brand name drug, which comes with a high out-of-pocket cost, but doesn't cover the lower cost brand name drug, which would have a lower out-of-pocket cost. So now we have Congress allowing the pharmaceutical companies the monopoly power to set prices, the pharmacy benefit managers having the power to determine which drugs you have access to for coverage and what your out-of-pocket costs are. What has Congress done to help you? Well, the Inflation Reduction Act does help a little because it's going to allow, beginning in 2026, Medicare to start negotiating drug prices. Uh, It it will be over the course of a few years, Medicare will be negotiating the price of 60 of the most frequently used high-priced drugs. And so you, you should see the cost of your drugs, if your drugs are among those anyway, come down at that point, although that's still down the road. Um, What Congress has also done is it has capped your out-of-pocket drug costs at $2,000 a year for covered drugs beginning in 2025. So uh, you will If you take a lot of drugs, not have to worry about thousands and thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket costs, but $2,000 is obviously still a hell of a lot and we need to do better than that, of course. What can you do now? Right now, you need to check with Costco, Walgreens, Walmart, Mark Cuban's Cost Plus drug plan to see if maybe you can get a lower cost for your drugs in full from one of those sources than you can under your Medicare Part D plan. Uh, I've heard from many people who shop around for each of their drugs to see if their Medicare Part D plan will cost them less or Costco or another outlet will cost them less. And often Costco or another outlet will cost less. So even though it's a headache, it's worth it. You can save a ton of money by shopping around. Lastly, another place to shop around is Pharmacy Checker dot com, pharmacy.checker.com lists drug prices from around the world. And it enables you, if you'd like, to get your drugs from around the world from verified pharmacies. Uh, They claim that they've never had an issue with the quality of the drugs that people import. As you probably know, it's still not legal technically to import your drugs from abroad, but millions of Americans do so to save money and the federal government has never prosecuted anybody for importing drugs from abroad for personal use. So that's another way to go if you can plan ahead. The other thing I'd advise is what Laura always advises, which is that you should contact your members of Congress. Uh, If you're not, if you're feeling like drug prices are too high and you're certainly not alone, the overwhelming majority of the public thinks that, get on the phone. Email whatever it takes and call your members uh, and let them know that you think that the government should be setting fair drug prices for everyone in America and not allowing pharmaceutical companies to be in charge of how much drugs cost. Um, And I would argue as well that you might also urge them to immediately open our borders to allow people to import drugs from pharmacies that are verified abroad, because that's a very quick way for you to be able to get your drugs uh, at a low cost. And especially if Congress also requires insurance companies to cover those drugs, if they cost less than what you would have to pay for those drugs in the U.S. So those are right now the reasons you're paying so much for your drugs and hopefully ways that
1: down the road, uh, you'll be paying
2: less and everyone will be paying less for their drugs.
1: Thank you, Diane. And also, uh, don't just contact your senators and your U S representative, but contact your state legislators too, because on a state level, uh, states have done various, uh, pieces of legislation to, uh, uh, set up, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, price, uh, boards and so on to lower the cost of, uh, Uh, Prescription drugs in those states. So don't forget, don't just call your people in uh, in Congress, but call your state legislators too, because they may actually be more likely to uh, pass a bill soon uh, to solve this problem.
2: And actually, what's very interesting, I think that's an excellent point. What's very interesting is that even the Republican governors have been moving to lower prices of drugs in their states. So this is not an issue. Uh, in the states um, that that is, you know, only democratically driven, Republicans also support uh, importing drugs at lower prices. Uh, at the federal level, unfortunately, um, we have not yet seen broad support from Republicans for drug price negotiation. But yes, for importation.
1: Thank you, Diane. Uh, our next question is, if you're shopping for uh, health insurance through the Affordable Care Act, there are different tier metal plans, like you may see a silver plan or a gold plan or a bronze plan. So what are they? What's the difference between them? And how do you figure out which one's right for you? Zoid?
3: muted. Um, The metal levels refer to something called actuarial value, which is just a a big word for um, an estimate of how much the plan will pay for your medical expenses total in the year. And again, it's an estimate. It's not exact, um, but kind of based on average medical expenses. So for bronze, it will pay about 60% of your medical expenses, silver, 70%. 80 um, 80 for gold. And then some areas have platinum plans, uh, which would be 90%. And so you'll see as you go up to the in these metal levels, the deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pocket maximum, those will those amounts will go down. So you'd be paying less. Um, but those premiums are typically gonna be going up as you go up in the metal levels. Um, it's also important to note that if you fall into certain income brackets, you're eligible for something called a cost sharing reduction, um, which only applies to silver plans. So in order to get this, you have to get silver plans, but it makes those silver plans um, much better. There's essentially, depending again, depending on your income, it could be 73%, um, which is a little bit better than your typical silver plan, 87%, which is even better than a gold plan or the best ones. Um, pay about 94% of your medical expenses. So that's even better than, you know, the best platinum plans. So it's important to, to check your eligibility for those cost sharing reductions, um, which you can only do um, by providing all the right income information and to know for sure by filling out an application. Um, and then look at those silver plans um, because you'll likely be able to find a very good one. Um, otherwise, um, you're going to be basing your choice and plans off of, you know, how much you expect to be using um, your insurance throughout the year, what kind of coverage you're looking for. You know, if there are particular doctors that you want to see, you might be looking at certain plans over others. Um, If you're looking for just kind of more catastrophic coverage, you feel like you're generally healthy and you want to pay the lowest premium, those are going to be the bronze plans, um, though we typically recommend getting at least a, a silver um, or gold, depending on your situation.
1: Thank you, Zoid. Uh, and our next question is, who, who's eligible for Medicare? And when do you need to sign up? Uh, and is there a penalty if you don't sign up, Diane?
2: Okay, so here you go with Medicare. Medicare is for everyone 65 and older, as well as people with disabilities who have been receiving Social Security disability income for 29 months you can sign up uh, before you turn 65 in those three months before your birthday month, and then during your birthday month and the three months after your birthday month. Uh, You should sign up when you're first eligible because in many instances, if you don't, uh, you can be uh, liable for a 10% premium penalty, your Part B premium penalty penalty. For every year you delay enrolling, that penalty, however, does not apply to people who continue to work and to continue and continue to get their health insurance through their work or their spouse's work. So, so long as you're actively working and getting your insurance through your work, and your work involves at least twenty employees and more or more, then you can delay enrolling in Medicare without a penalty. So that means that if you're getting insurance but you've stopped working, you but you're getting insurance from your job, you still have to sign up for Medicare as soon as you're eligible or you'll be liable for a penalty for a penalty and you'll have to wait often to get your Medicare. It's only if you're actively working getting the insurance through your job or your partner's job and you're your employer employs at least 20 people that you can delay enrolling without
1: penalty. So Diane, if somebody is approaching their 65th birthday, should they probably just check in with HR if they're still working and make sure that they do whatever they need to do to enroll, but delay? Excellent question.
2: Um, you can check in with the HR, but often way too often HR does not understand the rules. So you may be misled by HR and that could put you in a really difficult position. Probably what you should do is if you're getting insurance from your job and you are working and you're still not sure whether or not you should be signing up for Medicare Part B, you should contact your Social Security office and confirm with them that either your current insurance through your job is going to remain primary and that you do not need to sign up for Part B. At the, t- at the time you're 65 or that your current insurance is going to become secondary. And because you are working at a small company with under 20 people and that you must sign up for Medicare immediately with- to avoid penalty and to make sure there are no gaps in coverage, which is just as important because you'll have to wait sometimes to January of the following year, to sign up for Medicare, if you delay enrolling when you should have enrolled, and then your coverage doesn't kick in for several months after that. So you could have a major gap in coverage, uh, and that's a problem. And many people, there are about three quarters of a million Americans, 750,000, who delay enrolling wrongly and who are in this very
1: awful situation where they have no coverage. Thank you, Diane. And speaking of health insurance coverage or no coverage, uh, I'm glad to welcome our special guest for today. Natasha Murphy is the Director of Health Policy at the Center for American Progress, and she's going to be talking about uh, what is the public health emergency, and since it's going away, what does that mean for your health insurance? Welcome, Natasha.
0: Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me back. Looking forward to chatting with you today in the audience about the end of the public health emergency, uh, the Medicaid unwinding, and really what people can do if they are currently on Medicaid and are concerned about losing their coverage. So just for background, you know, as a part of the COVID-19 response, the federal government offered states additional funds to maintain continuous coverage for millions of Americans via the Medicaid program. And this helped to preserve critical access to health insurance, as well as access to care and treatment at the height of the pandemic. And this was all happening during the COVID-19 federal Public health emergency. And as a, as a result, enrollment in the Medicaid program, which provides um, coverage to eligible individuals, including low income adults, children, pregnant women, as well as individuals with disabilities enrollment in that program has grown nearly 30% since February of 2020. And now as we enter a different phase of the pandemic and the public health emergency comes to an end, there is going to be a Medicaid unwinding process. And so beginning April 1st, for the first time in nearly three years, states are going to resume eligibility redeterminations for Medicaid. And so really what that means is over the next 14 months, states will be checking their Medicaid rolls to ensure the eligibility for each and every person that's currently enrolled. And based on that eligibility redetermination, an individual's coverage is either going to be renewed or terminated. And as you can imagine, with this rechecking of everyone's eligibility, there is concern that millions will lose coverage. And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services estimates that about 15 million Americans will unfortunately lose their Medicaid coverage. And so in response, you have states that are employing a variety of different outreach techniques, as well as some policy action to try and limit coverage losses, as well as transition Medicaid ineligible people to alternate sources of coverage. And so today, I really wanted to highlight and flag for your viewers some tangible actions that they can take if they have Medicaid coverage to number one, reduce their chance of being disenrolled or terminated due to administrative reasons or avoid becoming uninsured if they are, in fact, deemed Medicaid ineligible. So first up, as it relates to kind of administrative action that can be taken, I definitely want to stress to everyone to please, please, please pay close attention to your mail and your email. So state Medicaid departments have been conducting outreach to notify current Medicaid enrollees of the upcoming renewal process. Like I mentioned, this hasn't taken place in the last three years. And so it is really, really important that um, states notify individuals that they will be redetermined for their Medicaid coverage. And so this correspondence is going to be coming in a variety of different forms. You have states who are mailing notices, some are leveraging email, text message, automated phone calls um, to try and get in contact with those who are currently enrolled in Medicaid. And so it's really, really important that folks, you know, be on the lookout for this correspondence and also pay attention to the dates and information that's included in these notices. Um, I would also stress the importance of timely follow-up. If the notice um, is asking for support documentation or the return of a form, please take action promptly, you know, immediately if possible to ensure that the Medicaid agency is getting the information that they need so that they can properly process um, your renewal application. And then finally, I encourage everyone, if your information has changed since February 2020, say you moved or, you know, your phone number has changed, your email address has changed, I definitely encourage you to reach out to your Medicaid office and provide them with this updated contact information. It is truly going to be critical in their efforts to contact you about any changes in your coverage status. And then for those who, you know, go through eligibility redetermination and are deemed ineligible, so, you know, either something has changed in their circumstances, most of the time it is income, and they are no longer eligible for Medicaid coverage, Um, there are other coverage options available to you. And so oftentimes that notice letting you know that you have been terminated will include other options. But I did also want to flag the availability of marketplace coverage under the Affordable Care Act. And so consumers should really consider enrolling in a marketplace plan. Uh, It provides you with comprehensive and quality coverage. And as a result of some federal investments, there is now enhanced uh, financial assistance and support. You know, your previous guest had mentioned the cost-sharing reductions, and that has helped to really improve the affordability of marketplace coverage. And it will provide an opportunity for folks to maintain coverage as well as their access. Us to carry and you know as we approach uh, medicaid unwinding
1: thank you so much natasha and so uh there's there's all kinds of scams out there that people may be getting phone calls or emails or how do they know if they get a letter in the mail that it's really the state agency wanting their personal information
0: Great point, Laura. Yes, unfortunately, you do have some of those bad actors who are going to try and exploit this, this moment, you know, to, to get access to some critical and sensitive information. So as folks are watching their inboxes or, you know, the, the mailbox, I encourage them, you know, to look for a few things in this correspondence. You know, absolutely look for an official letterhead, you know, coming from this state. Um, if there's any questions, if you're seeing, you know, kind of spelling errors or, or things that don't quite seem right, you know, embedded government government correspondence, if there is a phone number listed, I would encourage folks, you know, calling that number or even, you know, kind of looking up the state Medicaid number just to call and confirm that, you know, something was sent out to them. Also, I know many states have um, electronic means to conduct eligibility redeterminations or follow-up. So if there's any question there, you know, definitely um, encourage folks to, to go onto the website to, you know, confirm whether information is legitimate. As it relates to phone calls, um, I think a lot of states are more so using the automated process just to notify people that, hey, you know, unwinding is taking place, be on the lookout for subsequent correspondence. So, you know, if someone is calling you asking for a social or address or anything like that, I would definitely, you know, not encourage you to provide that information and wait to get the formal official correspondence in writing from the Medicaid agency.
1: Absolutely. And if somebody asks you something and you don't, you, you don't feel quite right, you could get their phone number and then look up their phone number and make sure it's really the, the state agency that they're pretending to be.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Better safe than sorry, particularly nowadays.
1: Yes. So. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening today. Please keep calling and texting in your questions, and we'll answer them in future episodes. And uh, join us again next Monday at 4.30 Eastern Live, or uh, download our podcast the next day. This is Care Talk.